Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This episode is brought to you by Marie Sharps. If you're a regular listener to the show, you've probably heard us recommend their hot sauce. In particular, we're quite fond of the smoked habanero pepper flavor. We put it on everything, eggs, stir fry, even pizza. In addition to their popular hot sauces, they also carry a wide variety of jelly, jams, gift box sets, and cool merchandise. Marie Sharps is proudly female owned and their farm in Belize employs over 100 full-time staff with 85% of the workforce being female. Our listeners can enter the discount code WeCookBooks10, that's WeCookBooks10, for 10% off their purchase when you visit MarieSharpsUSA.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-S-H-A-R-P-S-U-S-A.com. This week's featured cookbook is... Half-Baked Harvest, Super Simple, by Tegan Gerard. Hey Johnny. Hey Victoria. Oh my God, <laughs> calm down. Oh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta bring the energy okay. to this thing. <laughs> no half stepping on this podcast. Ain't no half stepping. Right. <laughs> uh, welcome to Tasty Pages, episode seventy, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Ooh, you know when we get to hundred episodes, uh-huh. that's when the syndication kicks in. And that's uh, when big money, big money comes starts rolling, rolling in. Isn't that in. How it works for like television shows? I think so. Yeah, episode hundred. Only thirty more to go. <laughs> and then, have you started shopping for uh, mansions yet? No, not quite. Okay, you better get on that. I will. It's coming. I'm gonna get myself a Lamborghini. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how about his and hers Lamborghinis? Yeah. Sorry, we're that's not assholes. But. <laughs> uh, if you go to our website, wecookbooks.com, and click on the store tab, that will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. We've got uh, four lists there chosen for you, lovingly chosen for you. Mm-hmm. And if you want to show your support for the good work that we do here, all you got to do is make a purchase from any of those lists. We've got your kitchen essentials for home cooks. We've got your cookbooks. We've got your food photography and styling. And we've got your fun food finds. This is like the best original products that we love and use on a regular basis. I got some uh, margarita pulp in my in my mouth. It's giving me the business. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that when you're talking. Okay. Um, yeah, but you make a you make a purchase from any of those lists. We'll get a little something in return. It won't cost you anything more. It's the most immediate, effective way that you can support what we're doing here. Right? Indeed. All right. Uh, what are we drinking? Speaking of which, I well, kind of let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> seeing as we've been on a margarita kick lately, we are we drinking. Why, why stop? Yep. We're drinking. Well, it's a pineapple margarita, pineapple jalapeno margarita. I did throw a few um, mango chunks in there. But it's really thick because <laughs> we just make it with like 
the frozen milkshake. Yeah, we just make it with like the frozen fruit, but it's delicious. Yep. You can just throw a little bit more tequila in there to water it down. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, hey, we had a fun little uh, excursion yesterday. (gasps) Yes. So uh, we've been kind of lamenting and missing our um, kitchenware store in Chicago that we used to frequent on a regular basis. Northwestern Cutlery. Yep. Shout out to them. And uh, that was where we would also get our knives sharpened. And I've been kind of trying to find a new place to get knives sharpened here in Minneapolis. And Well, there was one place called Kitchen Window, but I was kind of dubious about. Yeah. I think they put it through like one of those like electric knife sharpener machines. I think they just rubbed it on the sidewalk behind the, <laughs> behind the store. So I don't know. I don't think it. But anyway, the store closed. Yeah. So it's not that's not. I think not, you're probably not, kind of at the mercy of whatever person happened to be working there too. And right. Like a few of those people, like you know, can I help you, sir? <laughs> I wasn't too uh, confident they'd treat our knives with with care. Yeah. So. Um, but uh, but a neighbor actually recommended this place called Ever Sharp Knives in Minneapolis. If you're in the area, I would definitely recommend checking them out. They mostly deal in uh, cutlery. Knives have, have like for a, the most part, yeah, a huge selection of, of you know everything from affordable to high end. Really, Didn't, wasn't there like a fifteen hundred dollar knife? There? Oh, it was so beautiful! Yeah. It had this flower etching on the blade. I think oh. that's just something you frame, right? I, I would, I would, I would never use that. I'd be like, no, you don't put that through the dishwasher. <laughs> well, <laughs> you don't put any knife through the dishwasher. Just so you know. Especially that one. All right. Um, But yeah, I mean, otherwise, like not a ton of, they don't really have like cookware or anything like that, but but they also sharpen knives and it was like very affordable. We brought a big, you know, collection of knives in, probably about a dozen or so. Well, and they do serrated knives. Yep. And they do shears. We had a pair of kitchen shears that has never been sharpened. The dull as hell. Yes. So uh, this was a happy, a happy surprise. Yeah. So great find. I'm sure we'll be going back. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do? Oh, today we went to this place right down the street from us called Urban Forage. It's a winery and cider house. They use all locally sourced ingredients mm-hmm. for their different uh, wines and ciders, and everything, including the little snacks that they have available are 100% gluten-free. Yes. So we're not going to turn into one of those preachy gluten-free bloggers, but it's it's our reality now. Yeah. And, and this was a nice find. Oh, also, I want to say it's family-owned. It's like a small business. Yeah. Okay, let me just let me just make a blank, blanket statement. Minnesota wines, and I know I've said this before, Minnesota wines are pure shit. Yeah, Minnesota's not really known for its wine production. <laughs> they run... Or, well, here's the thing. They'll do like there are a lot of like fruit wines. Like there was a rhubarb wine there and stuff. There was a carrot wine. There was a carrot wine which I tried. I just tried a little sip. All the wines run very sweet. Yeah. And even the ones that they said were more on the drier side. Mm-mm. Yeah. Still sweet. Yeah. But the the ciders were delicious. Yeah. I had a pear cider. Mm-hmm. I had a hopped cider that had those notes in there. Um. I had this. Uh, I had this. Uh, it's called a palm cider. It was. It was like a wine cider hybrid. I, I enjoyed it the more that I drank it. That's that kind of goes with any alcohol, really. 
You're not breaking any new ground there. You, you make it sound like I was getting ripped to the tits, <laughs> where you're, where you just get to the point like you're like, oh, this is really good. Yep. <laughs> no, but it, it kind of like grew on me because the first taste I had, I was like, yeah, but it was good. Yeah. So we'll definitely go back there, and they have like tons of games. They have trivia nights. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Ooh, should we tell people what we've been watching? We got a, we got a new show suggestion for you. <gasps> yes. Abbott Elementary. We're probably late to the party on this. Well, yeah. we Especially if someone's like an educator or teacher. They, they probably flock to this right away. I have to say, I think it's the funniest show that I've seen in years. And Think of like The Office, but set in an elementary school. Yeah. It's that like there's... what I kept coming back yeah, to. Yeah, there's like this documentary crew that is filming these teachers and uh, the looks that they'll give the camera and just every single one of the characters is fantastic. And the kids are great. The kids are really great actors. Yep. But, the, but the whole time we were watching it, I could kind of each different character in the show, you could kind of draw a direct comparison to like, oh, that's going to be the Dwight character. That's going to be the... For, for some of them. I thought for a lot of them. No, I, I kind of disagree. We'll, we'll have this discussion off, off air. Because there was uh, no Phyllis. Like. Well, no, of course not. Now you're talking <laughs> about some, some like around the perimeter characters, but like all the major characters, mm. the Jims and the Dwights and the Michael Scotts, like there was, there was like a, you know, a, a, a direct link to uh yeah a to little bit to, okay so. yeah. i guess you're right. anyway watch it it's good it's great that's all we have to say a uh, couple nights ago we started actually on thursday night because it just started airing on thursday night season five of the great pottery throwdown yeah anyone who's a fan of like shows like the great british bake-off would would do well to check this show out even if you're not a potter which i am not victoria yeah. is but it's it's really funny because uh one of the hosts is this he's a big bear of a guy and he <laughs> older gentleman he gets he will get super verklempt over when he's talking about a piece and he is like on the verge of tears he's very emotional <laughs> like he'll, he'll start like blubbing like several times he during gets very worked episode. up about uh pottery it's it's quite adorable but and it's funny because watching it is like giving me ideas of stuff to make oh yeah i also started uh, my second course of pottery yeah and it's great i'm let me say i am the oldest person there by at least 15 years (laughs) so that's cool but no everyone is really nice i'm super looking forward to it what are you gonna make uh, I'm going you got to some stuff sketched out. I'm going to make some dog dishes. Olive will love that. Yes, I'm going to make a food dish and a water dish for Olive. Uh, I already made a plate and a somewhat big bowl, and I made a cylinder for a nice big coffee mug. Still waiting for my bong. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen that come home yet. <laughs> All right, uh, should we talk about what we are currently finishing up? Yes. This is the Red Boat Fish Sauce cookbook that I feel like we've been working on for a while. I know. By, uh, is it Gong, Gong Fam? Is that what how we determined it was pronounced? That's what it sounded like when I listened to it. Okay. Yes. Um, we've got one more dish to go, which we are finishing tonight, which leads us into what's for dinner. <laughs> well, Johnny is having a wall. 
pecan pesto. Yeah. Don't say walnut in this house. <laughs> pecan pesto is shrimp. And it's got like it's served over spaghetti. Yeah. And I'm having my turf. Yep. A nice big steak yep. with some sauteed mushrooms and onions. Oh, how cute. Yeah. <laughs> those, those mushrooms are not even going to get touched. Absolutely, they will. Okay. Oh, oh, we should mention what we've got coming up next because we just decided what we're going to work on next. Yes. Uh, it's a book called Thali, and it's written by Monica Gaudrum. And it's Indian home cooking. Monica Gaudrum. Yeah, I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, I think I said M at the, oh. the last one. I just kind of misspoke. Won't be the first time we mispronounce someone's <sighs> name on this God, show. I know. <laughs> All right, so we talk about the show question? Let's do it. All not, right. Not very many people answered this one. We got a few last-minute entries, so okay. I can share those as okay. well. But uh, this was kind of inspired by uh, the book Salad Freak that we just finished featuring on our feed. And the woman, was the author who of that book was, a food stylist for Martha Stewart for quite some time and so she developed a relationship obviously with Martha but also with Snoop Dogg because of their show and so it was kind of inspired by that uh, and we said what two people would you love to see host a cooking show together and uh, we got some, we got some good answers mm-hmm. uh, you want to start Kairos D said Christopher Walken and Lady Gaga. I'd tune in. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Absolutely. Uh, my friend Melissa G said, aside from you and Victoria. Oh, oh. how sweet. <laughs> she said, uh, I'm going to butcher this name. It's Nianyika Mary, who is a Malawian American chef, writer, educator. Okay. And uh, this is a friend of hers, Derek Murphy Williams. Um, I believe he's in like the beauty industry, from what I could, from what a quick Google search revealed. Okay. And uh, and it, my my friend Melissa here is from Duluth, Minnesota. So these were both people that uh, had some connection to Duluth. I think uh, the the chef uh, she had a restaurant there for a while, and now resides in Massachusetts. And she's a culinary instructor, but. Uh, Spent some time in Duluth. Okay. So yeah. Sound, All right. Sounds like it'd be a good mix of people. Sure. Uh, what else you got? Uh, Maxwell Gregory 2018 said Ina and Kanye. Hmm. I feel like Ina would not um, would not put up with Kanye's bullshit. I don't think Kanye puts up with Kanye's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm feeling that that uh, collaboration. Brian H said uh, Jay Z. And Ina Garten, another vote for Ina. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I think that would be a good one. That would work. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nancy M said uh, Gordon Ramsay and Paris Hilton and, and added, do you think he could stand her? I, I would pose to you, do you think she could stand him? I think he'd, <laughs> he'd do the thing where he makes her hold bread on the sides of her head and says, what are you? And then she has to say, say I'm an idiot sandwich. Oh, I thought you were going to say slap witch. And then he'd like hit the, hit the <laughs> loaves of bread. Slap witch. <laughs> what was that? Oh, that was from uh, uh, Don't Trust to Be in Apartment 23. There you go. <laughs> What'd you have for your picks? I said Elena Reagan and Lizzo. Oh, there you yeah, go. Right? That'd be a good one. Mm-hmm. I hadn't considered Lizzo, but I, I like that. Yes. All right. You, you got any others? Uh. I, no, I only chose one. I, I had one picked, and then I, I added a, la- a last-minute one, too. So my first choice was uh, Michelle Obama and Questlove. Yes! Are right? you kidding me? Yes. I would totally tune into that, and I don't know they both have a, a connection to food. And then I started thinking uh, Tom Waits 
and I wanted to. I was like, who would he team up with? And I and I, I thought, was trying uh, to think of someone for him. Julia too. Child. And if it has to be someone living, then I would say Susan Finnegar. Okay. Because I think they'd make a you know they'd make a yeah, pretty fun duo. I, I can see that. Like a, a a weird buddy cop film or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, should we jump into this book? Let's All do right. it. Half baked harvest. Super simple. This is the second book from uh, Tegan Gerard. Um, a third one, Half Baked Harvest Every Day, was released March 29th. We just finished working through that and featuring that, so that'll be in an upcoming podcast as well. This one focuses on quick, comforting meals using pantry ingredients with over 125 recipes. Um, these are what Tegan considers like her go-to options for easy, stress-free cooking. It offers recipes for different cooking methods, such as slow cooker, pressure cooker, and stovetop, making these easily adaptable and versatile. And uh, anything else on on the book? I think you covered it. All right. All let's, right. Uh, let's give a little outline of what we made, and then we'll discuss them in detail. Okay. First, there was mushroom cheesesteaks, then a slow-roasted Moroccan salmon with winter squash, Sun-dried tomato and avocado salad with chicken, garden basil, pepperoni pizza, and pomegranate braised short ribs with sweet potato mash. This uh, this uh, margarita kind of gets in my my mustache. <laughs> it's a hazard of uh, drinking these. I need a like a napkin over here or something. <laughs> I guess my sleeve will work in a pinch. <laughs> Let's talk mushroom cheesesteaks. Okay. So I have to say, this was probably one of my least favorite food photos that we shared oh, on social media. Oh, it was media. so ugly. I don't know what our deal was, but we just couldn't capture this, this sandwich in, in all its beauty. I Well, it wasn't really a beautiful... No. Nah. No. So. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so, there was an issue with this recipe. Yes. To start off with. Well, so this is kind of like a vegetarian version version of the classic Philadelphia sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, so it subs mushrooms in in you know place of the beef. Mm-hmm. I believe it did give you options for doing it in you know slow cooker or stovetop. We we employed the stovetop method. It even well, and it gave you the um, option of pressure cooker too, which right. is weird. That would take like. A minute and a half. Right. Especially, yeah, using mushrooms. <laughs> it would take longer for that thing to pressurize yes. than it would to cook. So we had to work in batches with the onions, mushrooms, garlic, and peppers. And I believe the recipe instructed you to just like throw it all in, you know, kind of in... In, in all in at once. Right. But I, d- I did them individually and it was still very, very full. In the recipe, it's like caramelize them. There's no way that this stuff would have caramelized. It Maybe she has like a 70-inch skillet oh that she's Oh, my God. Using. I don't know. But like it it would have all just steamed and gotten soggy and Well, sad. onion, mushroom, garlic, and peppers are all vegetables that have a lot of moisture to yes. them. So, yeah. Yeah. There's not going to be any caramelizing going on when you're tossing them all in like that. And then it was served with a yum-yum sauce, um, which was... Uh, Tahini, a little bit of honey, some smoked paprika, garlic, and chili powder. The sauce really needed some acid and some more heat. Since it had tahini in it, it leaned more like it leaned more peanut buttery. 
Um, yeah, is that where your mind goes when you have something with tahini in it? Because sometimes, because mine generally does. Like it's uh, to me in my to my palate, it's a very similar flavor profile. And I know they're not, you know, coming from exactly the same, you know, one's sesame based and one's like peanut based, but I don't know, for, for I whatever feel like reason. D- I feel like, like de- it depends on what you're using it for. Okay. Uh, like, I was just curious. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Like that's where my mind went with this sauce when we made it and then we're, we're testing it, you know, tasting it. It little, little too in the peanut butter territory for my liking. So we ended up adding some lemon juice and harissa to punch up the acid and uh the heat we skipped the step because it's set and i feel like it would get like really messy or whatever and i feel like the way we did this made more sense because it said to fold it in half and wrap it up in tin foil right but we just kept ours open face and stuck it under the broiler or for our british fans aluminium aluminium foil yes aluminium wrap um, yeah, we just kept ours open face and stuck it under the broiler to melt the cheese. And it gets the bread a little crispy, too. Mm-hmm. The edges get nice and crispy. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this in the end, was like a, a really tasty sandwich, but we definitely had to make some adjustments with both the method and the ingredients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else to say on this? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, next up, we got slow-roasted Moroccan salmon with winter squash. Let's see. What can I say about this? Another um, victory for salmon. Yeah. This used acorn squash and it got tossed in uh, sambal, uh, sambal olek, olive oil, honey, gets roasted in the oven. And then uh, once that gets soft, the salmon gets rubbed down with a little bit of harissa seasoning um, and some lemon and then it gets finished with pom- that, and then it roasts in the oven for like twenty to thirty minutes. It is a slow roasted salmon. Yeah, and then it gets uh, brushed with some pomegranate molasses. Right. Now, no fault of the recipe, but I found our acorn squash to have a, a thicker skin than I would have preferred. Yes, um, it, it was a little bit too some. The yeah. squash was like very nicely cooked, but the mm-hmm. the the skin was a little bit problematic for so me. So we we probably should have used something different than an acorn squash. I feel like a kabucha would have been good. Or a butternut or something. Yeah. Something with a thinner skin. But that's, you know, that's no fault of the recipe. I, I actually really enjoyed this dish. I did too. I thought the flavors on this were good and needed less adjustment to make to make taste good. I don't even know if we really made any adjustments. No, I don't I don't think we did. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so that one was that one was a winner. Sun-dried tomato and avocado salad with chicken. Uh, this one was, was super duper easy. Um, it used, I think it's so funny. I feel like sun-dried tomatoes are kind of making a comeback. Cause it, for, you think they're going to be the, the, the dish, the ingredient of the summer maybe? I don't know. I, I just feel like I've been seeing them a lot. And when do radishes get their chance? You don't like radishes. So why no, do you care? <laughs> I'm still going to be firmly anti-radish. I know. But anyway, it gets like sun-dried tomatoes that are packed in olive oil. Uh, and the oil gives it a nice concentrated flavor. And it also serves as a base for the dressing. Mm-hmm. The dressing was some 
bacon fat, lemon juice, vinegar, and honey mustard with a little bit of red pepper flake. And the salad itself was spinach, uh, bacon, avocados. We used a rotisserie chicken. And I believe it does mention in the recipe yeah. that you can use that. And then there, what, there was some feta, feta cheese. cheese and toasted pine nuts. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of dill. Yep. Dill is kind of like the hot cousin that's visiting <laughs> from out of town that you bring to a party. And everyone's, everyone's hitting on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unexpected, but they just instantly fit right in. Sure. Everyone loves them. That's, um, that's my hot take. Th- that's a great take. <laughs> this one was okay. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't... It's not setting the world on fire. No. It's a it's salad. Not, it's a, yeah. It, it was like a nice salad. It's a salad with common ingredients. It feels like something, it feels like something that you would order in a diner. Kind of. Or, or a, like or a... Like, a like a Chili's. A Cracker Barrel. Yes. Or a... Chili's or f- Applebee's or something. lots of flair. Yeah. All right. Maybe some wagon <laughs> wheels on the wall. <laughs> various, yeah, various pieces of crazy crap on the wall. Yep. <laughs> some s- cross-country skis. Mm-hmm. Um, how about this garden basil pepperoni pizza? This needed a little work. It did. Because it, the, the way the recipe goes, it says to... Toss the cherry tomatoes in garlic and olive oil, and then you put them on the pizza. Right. Along with a can of crushed tomatoes that you kind of like spread over it. Yeah. So it's kind of a mixture. We omitted the can of crushed tomatoes Mm -hmm. entirely, and then this is a method that we've been doing for a while. Mm -hmm. By we, I mean you. (laughs) (laughs) Where you... Throw some cherry tomatoes and garlic on a sheet tray and just let them kind of roast in the oven and melt and the tomatoes collapse and it just has this nice jammy, mm-hmm. uh, rich. It's like a tomato confit and yeah. like the juices from the tomato like kind of thicken up and everything. It gets yeah. nice and sweet and rich. And it makes a great, you can put it in pasta, you can put it on a, a flatbread, you yep. can put it on a toast. So. Anytime we make this, I'm always happy when we have leftovers because then we can like do some lunches the next day or something with it. Um, so that was our method that we used for this. And then uh, this had to have been like one of the last gluten meals that you had. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about that mm-hmm. when I was looking at this because we used our Paul Cahan pizza dough recipe. We still have uh, another uh, another uh, ball of that pizza dough in the freezer. I'm on it. You, you need to get on it because yep. I can't. Um, <laughs> So yeah, this this needed some oh, adjustments. Oh, and it also it had some pepperoni and basil. Yes. But now the recipe instructs you to like stretch your dough out, shape your dough, put all these ingredients except for the basil on there, and then just chuck it in the oven after you, you know, you grease a sheet tray, put this all on there and throw it in the oven. Generally, we find that when you do a method like that, the crust never gets done before all the ingredients. Like if you want a nice brown crisp crust, it's never going to get to that stage before everything else is like completely done. And, you know, then it's just going to be stuff's going to start getting charred and burned. Yeah. So we always like par bake our crust on mm-hmm. a on a pizza stone. And I don't really see the point in greasing the tr- the sheet tray I mean, obviously, you, no, you don't I want get- it to stick, but like, I, I would much rather, like, the, usually the method we do is like put it on a pizza stone and, and we just like uh, use a peel with a bunch well, of. But here's the thing not everyone has a pizza stone. Yeah, I know. And, and, the- and the greasing the greasing the sheet tray will like 
give the bottom of the crust. Like, I mean, if you've ever seen like a Pizza Hut pizza, they there is so much grease in the bottom of the pan, and that's why their crust is fucking delicious. It's been so and, long since I've had and a pizza. And like Detroit pizza, there's so much grease in the bottom of the pan. So that like the crust gets like nice and crispy. Okay. So I I totally understand that. Noted. Yeah. So yeah, we did make a few adjustments to this. We you know par baked the crust mm-hmm. before applying the uh, the ingredients. You know we cut out that can of crushed tomatoes. But I feel like had we I feel like if we would have done it the way that the recipe called for, it would have been kind of blah. Like, yeah. The, like I feel like those tomatoes were like the star, and it was like really rich and delicious. Mm-hmm. So I Agreed. don't know. Uh, yeah, and really, I didn't feel like it was as far as hands-on time. There, it wasn't really that much Mm-mm. additional work. I mean, yes, it probably added time to the recipe because you had to make that first, but you can do that while you're doing other stuff. So yeah. Anything else on this? Uh, I don't think so. Lastly, we had a pomegranate braised short rib with sweet potato mash. Just one rib? Yep. <laughs> How much for one rib? Yeah, didn't you say you saw a place that actually they they called it the Chris Rock? Uh, yeah. As I said, because if you guys have never seen the movie, I'm going to get you, sucker. 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 <laughs> I'm going Spoken to. like a true white person. <laughs> I'm going to get you, sucker. Yep. Um, Chris Rock walks into his character walks in a very young Chris Rock. Oh, Man, I think he was it, like a baby. Yeah, he walks into um, a rib joint and he's like, "How much for one rib?" And then he holds out his hands and he's like, "Can you just put some soda in here?" Yep. <laughs> so then you said that you saw the menu at a barbecue place and they had something called the Chris Rock and it was like just one rib. Uh, yep. It's, it was expensive, though. It was like five bucks for one rib. Wow. So what I guess that's, that, that's how much for one rib. That better, five dollars. <laughs> that better be a meaty freaking rib. Question answered. <laughs> All right. So back to this dish. Um, this was kind of a slow cooker situation. Yes, it was. Uh, low and slow. Mm-hmm. So this was see. another thing that we had to adjust the recipe on, too. Yeah. Do tell. Um, well, they get braised in pomegranate juice. But there was not there was not nearly enough pomegranate juice, so we ended up adding a little, adding some beef broth in there too for the braising liquid, and then some onion, shallot, honey, ginger, and thyme mm-hmm. go in there. And then the surprise, I was like totally shocked by this. Like you put the sweet potatoes on top of everything, just rest them on top, and it cooks that way. Yeah. That, you know, like that kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, what? We were a little skeptical. I know. And it worked. It, yeah. Everything came out properly cooked. And mm-hmm. this was a good dish. There was some, uh, wasn't there pomegranate seeds that went on top too? Yes. So it made for a beautiful presentation as well. Yeah. And the sweet, the sweet potato gets mashed up at the end. But here's the thing though. I have to say we've made numerous uh, short rib recipes. Mm-hmm. Some have been... I feel like a lot of them have been absolutely stellar, like blow your mind, like where you think about them for the next couple of days. Yeah. This was not that for me. Yeah. So. I get it. You know. I kind of felt that way about all this stuff. And, that, and that's a perfect segue into our rankings for yes. this book. But before we do that, per usual, we'll go to the most critical Amazon reviews. It should be noted that... <laughs> 
This book has over 10,000 ratings at the time of this recording on Amazon. So that how, just, Wait, how long has this book been out? Um, a, a few years. I mean, yeah. you, you have the book in front of you. A, a few years. I mean, the, the third one just came out. But, I mean, that gives you an idea into the, the popularity of Half-Baked Harvest brand. Because I, I don't run across very many cookbooks that have that many rankings. And so uh, 10,000 is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. So let's see. I'll start with the first one. This one comes from Mrs. H.B., and she gives it uh, one out of five stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty pictures, terrible recipes. Ooh, mm-hmm. the gauntlet is thrown. Mm-hmm. I own tons of cookbooks and collect them as a hobby. After trying a few recipes, I wonder if people giving high ratings to this book are actually cooking from it. My family almost choked on the Cuban sheet pan steak. Swirled banana bunt cake was dry, and the cod with pan sauce was nothing great. This book is beautiful, but what the heck is with the recipes? Stick to Ina. She knows what she's doing. Another shout out for right. Ina. She's getting lots of love <laughs> on this episode. Um, ooh, this is a long one. So this is from Polina. One out of five stars. Waste of money. Hmm. I purchased this book because of the beautiful pictures about a year ago. And I have to say, the author is a talented food photographer. However, after trying multiple recipes, me and my husband are pretty disappointed with the actual content. After spending hours in the kitchen, because it's not actually super simple at all, and spending money on expensive ingredients, we sometimes couldn't even finish the meal. Sun-dried tomato and avocado salad was too heavy on the fat and tasted bizarre. Heavy buttered mushroom and wild (laughs) wild rice was pretty disgusting. We threw it out. Uh, rosemary peach bruschetta was inedible also wasted also wasted money ended up ordering pizza (laughs) see you just got to keep an emergency pizza in your freezer um (laughs) oh sorry (laughs) i know are you done okay um here let's see i'm gonna cut i'm gonna cut a little bit i'm i'm just funny yeah i just thought it was funny that you know in in the process of critiquing this cookbook this person wrote a novel i know right wrote a wrote a dissertation so basically they liked about three of the recipes out of this book they felt that they were overly complicated for how they actually tasted and they questioned where you get fresh sage at they said also where do you get fresh sage at a regular store (laughs) right try it try the uh try the herb herb section anyway uh, i'm scared of trying any other recipes at this point because it just might turn out to be a waste of money Uh, i feel like this book is just a giant photo op and i can't return it anymore hopefully someone will read this and won't buy this book because of all the great reviews all right she's trying to warn people Uh uh-huh trying to sound the alarm Mm -hmm. well let's move on to our rankings beginning with food photography and styling what'd you have i gave it a five it was really beautifully styled. And to me, it had this like very, it, like when I think of shabby chic, like I think of light white airy, but this like had a little bit of a darker shabby chic mm-hmm. aesthetic to me. A lot of the stuff, uh, a lot of the food was photographed on like a darker wood mm-hmm. or like a linen. Lo- lots of really inter, in, oh my God, intric- intricacies. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> Intricate. Intricacies. Not not C's. Intricate. Intricate. Yes. Okay. 
I'm here for you. I could not say that freaking word ever. Um, that we'll, word. We'll like uh, record you saying that. <laughs> and we can just and loop we'll, it yeah, in. We'll just, it'll, it'll be like this great edit because it'll just be like intricacies. Intricate. All right. Um, styling. Like there's flakes of salt and carefully placed flowers and basil and herbs and tons of fresh flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the food is, it looks beautiful. It's beautifully styled. There's really gorgeous uh, landscape photos. Uh, there's a few photos of Tegan. Um, and she resides in Colorado. So yeah. you know, if you are familiar with that area... That's her home, and all the landscape photos are from there and yeah. reflect that. And they were all taken like mostly during the fall, and then I think there was like one winter photo. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful. Yeah, the photos were gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No. Uh, I gave it a five as well. Okay. I mean, I think this is really the strong point of the book, her brand. Uh, she definitely has a knack for food photography and styling. Um, these photos are all gorgeous and inviting. All of the recipes feature a companion photo, usually shot overhead of the completed dish. There's a real attention to detail. So there's yeah. always like a finishing sprinkle of some fresh cracked pepper, some minced herbs, a little drizzle of olive oil or sauce on the on the dish. There's, a like you said, a very rustic aesthetic. Mm-hmm. They'll be filmed on a surface that's got like some you know, chipped or peeling paint mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, uh, yeah, rustic. The chapter pages feature a variety of photographs. So there'll be like either raw ingredients, landscapes, like you mentioned, a few sh- a few photos of the author without mm-hmm. being too over the top. But yeah, this this is definitely the, the highlight of the book for me. Mm-hmm. Um, design and layout. What'd you give it? I gave it a four. Okay. You're either going to love or hate the recipe headnotes for this book. They're a bit lengthy. They're definitely written in kind of a conversational style that mirrors the author's personality. Much of the language really hypes up how awesome she thinks the recipes are. Oh, that's right. You were talking. You you mentioned that to me. Yes. Almost begging you to make them. Like, you guys, this is going to be a game changer, this salad. Um, If only the recipes lived up to the hype, I, I think. Oftentimes they kind of fall short of that, but she's definitely uh, possesses that kind of showmanship and, 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 and the hype. The serving sizes and times in each recipe use a font that's this kind of light gray color. Sound familiar? We talked about mm-hmm. this last episode for the Love and Lemons book, and there's a lot of similarities between these two. The index in front offers guidance for recipes that can be made using an instant pot or a slow cooker or 10 ingredients or less, 30 minutes or less, one pan. They've got these little symbols for the recipes if they fall into those categories. So if you're looking for quick, easy, whatever, you know, you can generally find those recipes pretty pretty easily within the book. There's a throwaway pantry ingredient section. Can this die already? I'm so... It, it's in every cookbook that I we know. review. And, and I, I feel like at this point, it's not really necessary. It's kind of antiquated. Okay, American cookbooks do not need it. That's all I'm going to say. Well, if it's a, if it's another cuisine, I think unless it is specifically targeted to absolute beginner cooks, uh, you know, this is going to be your first cookbook. Like I could see some cookbook like The Joy of Cooking or something having a section in there, but 
let's just assume just by virtue that this is a cookbook. Someone who buys it probably enjoys cooking. And they're going to have more than like they're, three, three they're spices. Have a set up. You, and you like, don't have to like explain in agonizing detail. You're, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. The chapters are divided into the usual suspects, such as breakfast, appetizers, salads, poultry, seafood, dessert, that kind of thing. Like I said earlier, the book shares many similarities with the one that we just previously discussed on our last episode, Love and Lemons Every Day. Mm-hmm. A lot of similarities. Yep. So what'd you have? Okay, I gave it a four as well. It was, yeah, like you said, it was organized by like meal slash popular main ingredient. Mm-hmm. What I liked on the top of the page is that there there is a key that indicates if it's an Instapot or slow cooker, if it's like pantry staples, if it's 30 minutes or less, if it's 10 ingredients or less, or if it's one pan. Did you catch that? I did. I mentioned yeah. that already. Okay. See, I thought you, you said... You never listened to me. No, you said it was like in the index. But, yeah, like, but that key was like up at the top of the page. Right, right. Yeah. In the, at the very beginning of the book, it kind of explains yeah. that whole code. Yeah. But yeah. But that was at the top of the page. What I liked is that the res- the recipes have serving size. There is a prep time, a cook time, you and a total that. time. I absolutely do. And also, the for different cooking methods they were separated into different sections like a slow cooker pressure cooker and that was one of the critiques that we had of that recent book that we featured the one pot pan planet because it kind of jumped around within the recipe Mm -hmm. when it offered you vegan alternatives yeah yeah and it got really confusing so this was a little bit more clearly defined yep um, I also said that the font was very small, but I felt like within the recipe it was dark enough yes. to be able to see. Yeah, I didn't have a I didn't have any issues with the font type or size except for within the recipe the serving sizes and the times for each recipe. They were yeah, they were light. This I agree very with light you. Gray mm-hmm. font that made them a little bit of a challenge to read. Yes. Uh degree of difficulty. I gave it a 2.5. Okay. Inherently, I feel like it, these recipes were not difficult. I see maybe I should give it a 3 because the way that some of them are written, they gotcha. they wouldn't made it difficult. Yes. Or maybe confusing. Yes, or okay. they wouldn't turn out if you did it that way. Like like the recipe for the cheesesteak was kind of bunk. Yeah. Like and and like there wasn't enough liquid in the short ribs. I mean, of the critical Amazon reviews, mm-hmm. um, that was the one thing that seemed to be a common critique. Okay. Take that for what it is. What'd you give it? I gave it a two. Okay. This is a book that's clearly written by and for the home cook. Yes. Even the dessert chapter mostly features things like cakes and bars. Some reviews complained about recipe errors, but I don't think we encountered too much of that personally. There just might have been like issues with the methods. I I know someone had mentioned that there was like a brownie recipe that omitted like baking soda or baking powder. Oh, but okay. Um, I we can't speak from experience with that. So yeah, we didn't make any of the desserts. Be forewarned that there may be some errors or omissions in here. Um, there was a recipe tester that was thanked in the acknowledgments, so they did spend some time having someone test the recipes. And then, of course, uh, Tegan comes from a large family yeah. who she mentioned you know, within the recipe, like, oh, they taste everything and offer feedback and stuff. So she's got kind of a built-in uh, team of 
recipe testers within her family. Who knows? Maybe like with that recipe, like it was just something that like her recipe had that, but it was like omitted in right, the book. Right. Like who knows what happens? But I mean, mm-hmm. it shouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, that said, most of the recipes are under 10 ingredients and require 30 minutes total time to complete. Um, we may have changed a few methods and ingredients, like we mentioned with the with the pizza. But, you know, I guess, you know, I, I know who this book is written for mm-hmm. and I give it a two for difficulty because I don't think overall that anyone's going to really struggle or be challenged by these dishes. Right. So... Okay, taste. What did you give it? I gave it a three. Okay. I think this book suffers from a similar fate as Love and Lemons in that all the recipes were just okay Mm -hmm. and required adjustments to the methods or seasonings to improve upon. Mm -hmm. And that's just going to kind of come down to your own personal tastes and experience to know when that might be necessary. What'd you have? I gave it a 3.5. I was a little bit more generous. Everything was tasty, but it was unremarkable. Yeah. I feel, you know, maybe it's just like something that I need to use as a marker, like a short rib recipe. If it's like, like I was saying before, we've made other short ribs from books where, times, sure. where like, I'm just like, yeah. like my mind is blown. And this one I was like, eh. Well, they I were feel, good. I, I feel like with both of these books, and I'm, I'm not trying to lump them into the same category, but I do feel like they are kind of I feel like they are kind of the a same. similar demographic. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they're, you, they're not lacking in flavor, but there's not like a depth of flavor that takes them to the next level. And I Agree. think that is often the challenge when you're doing a book where you're trying to make them like quote unquote quick and easy. Absolutely. You just don't have time to like develop flavor in these dishes that would kind of elevate them to the next level. That's absolutely the crux of it too. Like developing flavor takes time. And when you're making like 30 minute meals, right? You can't, you don't get that. It's tough. And I mean, this is still home cooking, so Mm -hmm. it's going to be better than eating takeout Mm -hmm. or eating canned and processed stuff. But it's not going to rise beyond that. So, all right. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. All right. Let's move on to our segment, Gastro Obscura, exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients. This is from the book of the same name. What do you got for us this week? Okay, so this week, this is really interesting because this is something that you were telling me about. Yeah. Um, I'm a fountain of useless knowledge, uh, culinary knowledge. (laughs) This is called A Holy Kitchen Feeding Thousands for Free. And it's uh, Langar at the Golden Temple. It's uh, in a place called the Shrai Hamadir Sahib, and it's known as the Golden Temple. It's in the city of Armister in Punjab. And this place serves between, it usually serves about 75,000 free meals a day. Per day. Per day. Wow. And on special occasions, it can go up to 100,000. This place is run solely by volunteers. And it's part of a practice called Langar, which, is, which translates to display of humanity and equality. So regardless of class, case, and gender... Everyone sits on the floor to eat. The kitchen and the kitchen is made up of different buildings. 
Some of the kitchens have dedicated tasks such as a doll room or a, or like a doll building or a stew building. So this almost sounds like a small village devoted yes. to this whole event. Mm-hmm. Wow. And in recent years, they've started using machinery. They have, a, they have one that makes rotis and it can make up to 25,000 rotis in an hour. Wow. But the thing is, each one of those rotis gets hand brushed with ghee, which is clarified butter, for those of you who don't know, before it gets served. So, so there's got to be on ghee duty. There is still like a human element to that. So um, if my high school math is correct, they're serving like millions of meals per month. Yes. That is remarkable. Yeah. Uh, at mealtime, the diners will file in they grab a metal tray, a water cup, and cutlery, and then they sit on the floor in rows. Uh, volunteers walk down the rows, and they fill the different compartments of the metal trays with a doll or stew or what have you. And then the diners hold out their hands for the rotis as a sign of respect. The meals are really nutritious, and they're simple. Um, vegetarian, you said, right? Uh, vegetarian. Yeah. And the food is tasty, but a lot of people just go there like for the ritual and just for the exercise of eating together and like having equality and harmon- harmony. Harmony. <laughs> I'm like, harmony. <laughs> you want me to pronounce that for you too? <laughs> <laughs> and it, well, and, and this concept of, of langar, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I don't know if you mentioned like this... It's kind of like the practice of like hum- humility and mm-hmm. generosity, and and so you know people will uh, make a pilgrimage to this yes. place to you know volunteer to eat a meal, mm-hmm. the, the sense of community. So I mean, it's it's a really crazy phenomenon. The, and it's the, the, like something I knew nothing about. Until I feel I, read about I feel it. like the concept could never happen here. No, probably not. ever, not ever. Nope. But, uh, Which is sad. Yeah. Kudos to them. What a Let's, lovely thing. Yeah. All right. Okay. So if you enjoyed the show, please rank and review us. You can follow us on our socials. Um, our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at we cook books. All right. You know what time it is? Make me laugh. It's time for a lame food joke. <laughs> I've got not one, but two of them. I'm going to give you the choice. I'm going to do something a little different here. Oh. You can choose what's behind door number one or door number two. Let's go for door number Spoiler two. Alert, they're both pretty lame. <laughs> I'm sure they are. You want to go with door number two? Yeah. All right. So I, uh, I went to the grocery store in our neighborhood the other day and I saw the sign on the door and it said, no food or drinks inside. So I turned around and went home. <laughs> that is so dumb. Okay, go ahead and give me number one anyway. Oh, no, no, you don't get a two No, part. come on. Really? Don't be a dick. That's, that's not how this works. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. Okay, why do beginner chefs only cook Asian food? Because they need to walk before they can run. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I told you. I did warn you. That's like a dad joke. Yep, to be fair, I did warn you. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe. Have a fantastic week. Stay hungry.